0: Uh, Thank you to uh, those of you who prayed for us a fortnight ago. Uh, Kerry and I were leading a team of uh, pastors going to uh, Canada, where we were running a learning community for 12 uh, churches. Most of them uh, were Mennonite uh, churches, uh, helping them think through uh, the new environment that they find themselves in And uh, as we help them, that helps us to think about how we are called to be the church in the new environment that we find ourselves in. Um, Early in the process, we asked them, so what's your strategy for church growth? Sex was the answer. And I thought, wow, that's something we haven't thought about. Uh, But they didn't mean it like that. Uh, Their communities, uh, the Mennonite community in Canada was super kind of tight as a community and they typically, the next generation would have uh, maybe slightly more children than the generation before and uh, those uh, children would grow up in the faith and come to the knowledge, the saving knowledge of Jesus and, and then there were too many of them so they would plant another church made up of their own uh, kind of families and, and their growth that way. And, and for quite a long period of time, that's how they grew. And, and so they, they didn't really need to think about mission or think about the outside world because they would just keep growing. And, uh, uh, and it's easy when things are going well not to think about what's beyond your borders now, in the world that they're waking up to, which is the world that we're very much familiar with, not only are they are having less children, but that's no longer happening in quite the same way because communities are just not knit together in anything like the same way that they used to be. So like us, they're asking those same questions, how on earth do we create a Jesus community that, uh, uh, that can reach out into the world and is uh, salt and light where they have been uh, placed? And uh, so we send, bring greetings back, having sent our greetings from uh, 12 churches uh, about an hour outside Toronto, Kitchener and Waterloo that uh, share our same passion for trying to Work out what it means to be the body of Christ that's broken open and poured out. Bread that's broken open, the wine that's poured out for the life and hope of uh, the world. So thank you so much for your uh, prayers. Claire's done a great job these last few weeks. And uh, yeah, you can give her a cheer. She's not... Uh, she's not here, she's in Sheffield, so you have to cheer loudly. Uh, Claire and the, the, uh, Dan and uh, Becky are, at, uh, uh, are two days away as part of the internship program with interns from around uh, the country there on two days of teaching on uh, spiritual warfare. So uh, we're looking forward to hearing what they have to say when they come back, having done all things to stand, to stand uh, firm. But Claire's done a, a brilliant job these last few weeks and then unexpectedly last week, helping us think through uh, the shepherd's heart the calling of the shepherd, the evangelist's heart, the calling of the evangelist and uh, the teacher's heart, the calling of the teacher. And then last week, helping us, encouraging us to think about how those different callings, those different hearts get expressed in celebration at the center and the things that we all do together and also in our communities, the things that we do in our extended families and so on. The podcasts are all up. They're well worth listening to. If you missed it, you can get those straight off the website or uh, on iTunes, or wherever you normally get the uh, podcast. A few weeks ago, um, I talked about uh, one of the problems of communication that we uh, experience, or one expression of the problem of communication, and I... uh, I, I reminded ourselves about the, the Vision Sunday when we had all those uh, communities up the front sharing just a little bit about the life within their community, uh, and, and yet how whilst, whilst we have that, and whilst there are lots of communities, in fact all the communities are saying, we, we need help, we need more people, we're open, we'd love you to join us, we have this disconnect of people not being able to find where they fit, perhaps not f- feeling that we as a whole community are as welcoming or as good at that welcome as we used to be and, and so on. And so I invited you to come and to, uh, and to continue the conversation with whatever perspective uh, you might have to bring on that. And I want to say I'm super grateful to those of you who've taken the time and the trouble to engage in these kinds of conversations. They're so helpful to us uh, as as a church, we, we need the conversation all together. Imagine for a moment that we, we stuck, a, uh, I don't know, perhaps a statue right in the middle of uh, of the pews uh, there. Not for any particular religious reason, this is just a, uh, an illustration. And uh, we, we all, from our various sitting positions, would see only part of the statue. Uh, so the first thing that would be true is that each of us would only see the statue from our own perspective and the second thing therefore would be true is that no one of us would be able to see the whole statue accurately and therefore thirdly we would only be able to understand the, the 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 different facets of the statue as best as we possibly could if each one of us were able to contribute to the conversation sharing what they see from their perspective and it reminds me that not only is our our individual perspectives Uh, valuable to us. They are super valuable to us as a whole community. Thank you so much uh, for those conversations. And one recent illustration of how those conversations are are helpful was uh, crystallized for me in what happens at coffee time. And uh, 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 most of us make it through to the coffee area where, where we have our coffee, and uh, maybe we're, we're fortunate enough to sit around the tables, some of us stand, and that's kind of where it happens. Uh, and then there are others of us who seem to linger in the church for, well, for whatever reason. Uh, and then there was this conversation between the, the lounge coffee people and the lingerer coffee people and and it's it's very easy isn't it for us to only see things from our own perspective and so someone said well, well why why don't the people in the coffee lounge uh, sorry someone from the coffee lounge perspective well, well why are they staying in the church Well, why do they want to keep themselves in some way separate for us why don't they come in and and join us <clears throat> I thought that was a fair question. So I asked, why don't you come in and join them? And then it suddenly became immediately obvious. They go, well, we don't come into the coffee lounge and join you because we've got little children that have been locked up in church for two and a half hours, and they're running circuits around here because they absolutely have to for everyone's survival. And we can't take them into the coffee lounge, otherwise the coffee lounge would not be the coffee lounge that you enjoy. And suddenly you see things from different people's perspective and think that's really helpful to understand. And that makes me think, okay, well, perhaps we should serve coffee in the church as well as in the lounge. And the whole thing begins to, to move. So all, all I'm trying to illustrate is that, it, it, that everyone's perspective on what's going on in the life of our community is super important. And I'm really, really grateful uh, for the conversations that we're having. Uh, let's, um, uh, let's, let's get on with this, otherwise I'll just keep going forever. <clears throat> you would say, how is that any different from what happens normally? There are five beautiful, beautiful graces. Five really precious hearts that Jesus has given to his church in order for us to become the fullness of Christ. Isn't that a beautiful thing? That we might be together the fullness of Christ. These graces given by Jesus are about Jesus, they're for Jesus, they're found in Jesus, they honor Jesus, they are His, that is Jesus' gifts to us, so that we can be like Jesus. That's what it's all about. Not only does He say, come follow me, come be like me, but He gives us the grace in our lives, in order that we might be able to do that. It's not that we have gifts, but that we are a gift. A gift to each other and a gift to the world. I'm excited about this whole Advent thing, about the idea of us being little starlights all over the town uh, and beyond. And sometimes we've used the phrase, we are kind of little Jesuses wherever we go. This powerful reminder that in us is the grace of God of Jesus and we take that grace with us wherever we go and in all that we do. Reflecting his heart, we are his body connected to the head. We need all five in order for the body to live. We need all five in order for us to reach the fullness of Christ. The apostolic heart, the apostolic calling has been likened to the endocrine or the glandular system in the body which helps the body to develop, to grow, to regulate mood and uh, reproduce. The, The prophet calling is like the central nervous system keeping us in touch with the messages that are coming from the head helping us to listen carefully and to respond actively to them. The evangelistic calling is like the musculoskeletal system that helps us touch and feel and reach out and move. The, the shepherd is like the circula, cir, circulatory or the respiratory system that has oxygen flow around the body, keeps us all uh, in touch and alive. And the, and the teaching calling is like the digestive system, helping us nourish Uh, helping us our body stay nourished and energized the point is we need all five and in the same way we wouldn't be happy if four of those systems were working well in our body and one wasn't we wouldn't be happy because we we would know that the one that wasn't working would have such a significant impact on our body as that our living function would eventually cease without it working properly and I've been reflecting on uh, the way that the enemy has sought to divide his church to, to, sorry, divide Jesus' church uh, along these lines of good things. So you have the, in particular seasons in church history or particular uh, tribes uh, that emphasise one or other of these graces, of these living systems that we all need but then because they don't care so much for those other living systems that we also need, perhaps they or we together don't flourish in the way that we, we hope. So, so you get um, sort of tribes or denominations or groupings within church or periods in church history when the, the teaching kind of uh, movement, the teaching kind of heart, the teaching grace has been predominant and you get a load of great things when that happens. You get things like colleges and seminaries and you get the Sunday school movement and you get Christian publishing and you get Christian radio broadcasts and you get Christian education and a re-emphasis on, on Bible study and Bible tools and, and translating of the Bible and so on. And all of those things are super important, aren't they? And for a season, the church kind of throws itself into into that, or a particular tribe or denomination reacting to to what other Christians are doing, throw themselves into it. And you can see these waves with with all of these, the shepherding kind of season or tribe, and you get a whole tribe of Christians, and they're emphasizing healing, emphasizing counseling, emphasizing spiritual gifts, emphasizing body ministry, healing ministry, and and so on. and you get the evangelistic kind of seasons in the life of the church or, or tribes within the church and, uh, and you get mass meetings and Billy Graham crusades and the church growth movement and Christian TV and seeker sensitive services and multi-site churches and so on. And then you get the prophetic season or the prophetic tribe uh, emerging with its emphasis on prayer walking. The whole March for Jesus movement was a very prophetic movement. 24-7 prayer, a very prophetic movement, international houses of prayer the justice ministries like anti-slavery, anti-sex trafficking, uh, anti-modern day slavery and so on, are all part of that prophetic kind of heart and calling and, and, and wave and those are all brilliant things aren't they? you go, yes. And then finally you get the apostolic kind of season, the, the unreached people groups, and that focus that we had some years ago on, on the 1040 window, those places in the world where the gospel has least been preached, emphasis on, on movement rather than static church, emphasis on church planting, house churches, organic missional church, and so on. Uh, but what the enemy seems to have done, I think quite cleverly, although you don't want to give him too much credit, is just to keep those things divided. And in the same way, if one of those, if you didn't have all the systems going in your body, your body would cease to function. If he can keep parts of the body feeling happy and content with only some of the systems, but without all of them, then you can see how the church is uh, not uh, as powerfully impacting as perhaps she could be. And then there have been these glorious moments in history when, in the purpose of God, those things have come together. Do you remember that um, sermon series we did on Malachi, Will Revival Come? Thank you, Margaret. Yeah. And we looked at at the way God prepares His people for a new fresh move of His Spirit. And although we didn't use this language then, one of the things that, that we were saying is that there just needs to be a coming together of the various graces, the various hearts, the various callings that represent the fullness of Jesus' ministry. So for example, during the 18th century, the very apostolic John Wesley and the quite prophetic Charles Wesley and the evangelist George Whitfield worked together and ignited what became the Methodist uh, movement. And around the same time, Jonathan Edwards's teaching gift in the U.S. combined with the influence of Whitfield, despite the First Great Awakening on the other side of the pond. It was in the 19th century that Hudson Taylor, very apostle-like, D.L. Moody, very evangelistic-like, and Charles Spurgeon, very teacher-like, were active contemporaries whose work uh, contributed to a significant release of God's spirit. Uh, around the world. During this same era, William Booth, apostle, Catherine Booth, prophet started the Salvation Army. George Muller, apostle and shepherd, began his work with orphans. Charles Finney was an evangelist who along with the Methodist circuit riders, Baptist missionaries and so on, uh, uh, sparked the second great awakening. So we're, we're not pigeonholing people, they're only apostle, they're only this, but, but, but people that, who, whose kind of heart and sense of calling was broadly within the grace of the apostle and broadly within the grace of prophet, broadly within the grace of, of the evangelist. When these things came together, something happened in the purpose of God that was not happening and does not seem to happen when those things are separate. All very interesting, maybe or maybe not. All very theoretical, maybe, maybe not. Maybe not, for this reason, for us to have the impact of Jesus, then we need the whole of Jesus, yeah we have the whole of Jesus. Isn't it amazing in us is Christ, the whole of Jesus, and therefore the hope of uh, glory verse uh, 7 of Ephesians 4, where this whole kind of series has been coming out on, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. And the beautiful thing about these graces is that there is no one here who's not on the board, who's not in the game, who's not on the team. And by being on the board, I'm going back to that jigsaw uh, metaphor that I talked about some weeks ago. You see, what we need to know about a jigsaw is that we need every single piece to complete it. What God is building here, just like you're building your Christmas jigsaw, what God is building here requires every single piece in order for us to build it. Some of us have found our place in the building, in the construction and, and maybe you've been there for a long time. For those of you who feel like I've been doing the same thing for a long time and I'm getting fatigue, I'm beginning to... Enemies whispering, is it worth it? Am I doing the right thing? Uh, all, of that kind of, uh, all of that kind of stuff. Just think about the half-completed jigsaw puzzle where you've completed the whole of the sky... And then someone comes along and takes a piece out of the sky and walks off with it. Mothers have been known to kill for lesser crimes. (laughs) Suddenly, that which was kind of glorious has a piece missing. And it's a reminder to us that you might have been in that sky for a long time and think, I'm not even sure what I'm doing there anymore. Oh, the Spirit of God would say, absolutely, please, that piece needs to stay right there. Because it's part of the whole that's getting uh, built. Others of us perhaps are, are on the board, but we're not quite so sure uh, that we found our place. And what it's so easy to, to hear when we haven't quite found our place, what it's so easy for, this, for the enemy to whisper into our minds, is, you know, I haven't found my place. I, I don't fit. I don't fit. And maybe you've had a few bad experiences. Do you know, have you ever got a puzzle piece and you've tried to jemmy it into a place because you just want it to fit? And you get to the point we don't really care where it fits as long as it fits and you try and elbow it in. And then you end up realizing, no, 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 it's just, it's just not the right place for it. And, and, and it's easy for us to feel, I don't fit, which leads to another lie, I'm not leaded, needed. Needed what if you're doing a puzzle and then there are some of the picture is complete and then you've got these um uh, the pieces that are still yet to to go into the picture and one of those pieces drops on the floor do you care absolutely absolutely you because you know that that piece is super valuable it's as valuable as the piece that's already in place because we need all the pieces and and if if hypothetically one of your children, two boys, hypothetically, was to take one of the pieces, not yet in the picture, and hide it, what would a mother do? Hypothetically. We have two boys that have been closer to death than at any other time in their childhood by thinking it's hilarious to take one of those pieces and to hide it somewhere. They won't be doing that again in a hurry. Because we know that peace is valuable. It's not just a peace. That is the peace that we need for this whole thing to work. It's absolutely needed. And the trouble with... When we're trying to piece it all together is that sometimes it's only when some other pieces move into place that you understand where your piece fits into place. Sometimes you've got the puzzle going on here. I'm an expert at puzzles. You've got this puzzle going on here, and then you've got within the puzzle a kind of mini-puzzle going on that isn't connected to the big picture because you've found a few pieces that fit together. Now that's a messy time, isn't it? You've almost got a rival picture going on, and you're not quite sure how the whole thing's going to fit together. And then one day there's a linking piece, and you go... God knew what he was doing all along. And so sometimes we're, we're coping with the mess, we're coping with the tension. There's this piece and there's that piece and there's a few pieces together. Not quite sure how that fits in uh, uh, together. And then suddenly it all comes together in the purpose of God. Feeling you don't fit in though can be such a painful and debilitating feeling. And I know some of you have uh, observed this when perhaps you've done something in the life of this community or somewhere else for a while and then for whatever reason, a season of life, a change, you no longer do that particular job and you really struggle to work out, well, how do I fit in this new world? I'm not quite sure how it, how it all comes together. And we become aware of how, of how painful and how hard that can sometimes, uh, sometimes be. But perhaps here is the killer truth. And uh, maybe I should wrap it up just with this. Not sure I will, but maybe I should. On John's basis, just keep going, John, isn't it? Eventually, it'll come good, isn't it? I we'll just keep going. If you keep strumming, it comes good. If I keep going, it'll come good. The, the the killer truth is this: I think in Christ's body we fit because we are different from each other, not because we are the same. In the world, everyone is trying to fit by being the same. Think of all the adverts right now for Christmas that use brand identity to appeal to you. You will fit because you have the same as somebody else. Phone, dishwasher, tumble dryer, whatever it is for you. Tonka toy. They still make Tonka toys? You fit because you are the same. That's what we're told. The Word of God, the beautiful, lovely, subversive, upside down kingdom, is that you fit because you are different. That's why you fit. And sometimes our difference has made us feel more isolated and less connected and somehow we together have to totally turn the tables on that whole thing because it's a lie. Because the Bible is very clear that we fit, not because we're the same, but because we're different. If you've just put one piece in the puzzle, you are not looking for another piece the same because that piece is there, you with me? You need a different piece... Why? You need a different piece because the shape that's left now is different. And it's only a different piece that's going to fill that particular uh, shape. Super important, somehow, that instead of us lamenting that we're not the same, is that somehow we find the glorious ability to celebrate that we're different. And to embrace that at a new and deeper level as God fits us all into place and maybe we will leave it there that sense in which it's in our togetherness that we are able to be Jesus to the world and as we work out that togetherness there are all kinds of seasons just like in that jigsaw analogy but maybe this truth is the one for us to settle on our hearts this morning is that I fit, you fit, we fit, not because we're the same. You know, you can turn to the person next to you, right? Why don't you and say, you know, honestly, I'm so glad I'm not like you. (laughs) Because that's the truth. That's the kingdom truth. We'd be absolutely stuffed if we were all like each other, if we were all the same. We could not be part of the construction that God has for us. There is no one uh, who's not on the board. And the killer truth is this. We fit because we're different, not because we're the same. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you that you have made me me. Sometimes that's a really hard thing for us to say, for us to own, for us to step into. Maybe it's one of those things we have to step into by faith because we've spent a lot of time feeling like we wish we were different, believing that we should be different, hoping, praying that by our hard effort we could be different. And yet the freedom that comes from your word is that Together we have the grace of Jesus. And that's expressed in our differences as much as it's expressed in our unity. And as we think back over history and see how the differences, all good, have yet in some way contributed to the division, may we agree That our differences will contribute to our coming together, to our collective effort to be your body, built into all that you have for us. That each one of us would celebrate as we find our place, knowing that as we find our place, we help others find theirs, and that there would be much joy especially for those who feel they've waited a long time to know and understand that place. We pray for a fresh wave of your spirit, that whenever your word talks about us all being a body and fitting together, it's always surrounded by passages about love. And we thank you that the word you use, Jesus, is grace. May grace be ours that makes all this possible that we might be shining lights in a dark world. That you might do again here with us what you've done of old. That you might build and shine the light and love of Jesus. And so we commit ourselves individually and collectively to be in with all that you're doing. In Jesus' name.